0: Welcome to Nevertheless, She Persisted. I'm your host, Sadie. Every Friday, I post interviews about mental health, dialectical behavioral therapy, and teenage life. These episodes break down my mental health journey, teach skills to help you cope with life, and showcase testimonials from teens just like you. Whether you've struggled yourself or just want to improve your mental fitness, this podcast is your inspiration to live a life you love and keep persisting. This week's episode is brought to you by Sakara. You guys know how much I'm stressing the importance of good sleep, good nutrition, getting outside, staying active, because when we don't take care of our physical health, our mental health truly suffers as well. I know that my emotional vulnerability is off the charts when I'm not taking care of my physical health. I can't be productive. My relationships struggle and everything just becomes a mess. Sakara is a nutrition company that focuses on overall wellness, starting with what you eat. Their organic, ready-to-eat meals are made with powerful plant-based ingredients, and they're designed to boost your energy, improve digestion, and get your skin glowing. Their meals are delivered all around the U.S., ready to eat, at your door, and you are good to go. They also have some amazing wellness essentials, like one of my favorites, their sleep tea, which you know I love a good cup of tea before bed to keep my sleep hygiene in check. They also have things like beauty chocolates, like chocolate that you eat to help your skin, like literally mind-blown. So many different supplements, teas, powders, granola, all of that kind of stuff. To get your hands on their amazing products, you can go to Saqqara.com and use code XO at checkout for 20% off. Again, that's sakara.com, Use code XO at checkout for 20% off your first order. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of She Persisted. If you're new here, hello. My name is Sadie. I'm 17. I'm a senior in high school from the Bay Area, and this is my podcast. I do a lot of mental health, teenage wellness, lifestyle episodes. I do a mix of solo episodes, just like this one, where I talk from my experience, I give advice. And my story is that I struggled really severely with depression and anxiety in eighth grade, freshman year, end of middle school, beginning of high school. And I ended up doing a year and a half of intensive treatment. So I spent some time at a program in Boston called McLean Hospital, Three East. And it really, really did save my life. And then I spent a year at a therapeutic boarding school. And so I've had the amazing opportunity to circle back with these people that changed my life so much, these treatment providers, these friends, these connections I made and really dive into tips and tricks and advice for parents, advice for teens. And also kind of dive into the social media space and talk to fellow podcasters, talk to mental health experts, other people that are sharing their stories, and really just get an amazing, unique, comprehensive look at what mental health is, especially in teenagers. So. With that little bit of an introduction, today's episode is one that's been on my list of podcast episode ideas for a long time. I don't know if anyone else who does content creation has that notes list on their phone that's like 30 pages long, where you come up with an idea and you're like, I want to do that at some point, don't have time right now. But this idea was definitely one of those. So this week's episode is my mental health tips for high school students. And I thought about making it more mental health tips for teenagers, but I kind of feel like that's a whole other episode in itself because that encompasses a lot more middle school. It's more kind of navigating relationships with parents, friends. And I really wanted to focus on navigating the academic side of things and preparing yourself for success with college and also really, really prioritizing your mental health and you and being okay and making sure that you're thriving mentally. So again, going back to this backstory, when I started freshman year, I was really really struggling i was suicidally depressed i could barely stay at school the whole day because i was having such bad panic attacks my relationship with many of my friends and my family members was honestly terrible and i was in and out of treatment i was going to the hospital every couple of months i was doing outpatient programs after school i was missing the end of classes because i was commuting an hour and a half to go to therapy appointments every single week and my life was really just kind of blowing up around me. At home I was miserable, at school I was miserable. I was really just struggling and suffering. And I didn't think that would change. So I went through that period where my academics and school life was really just a mess due to my mental health. Second semester of freshman year I was completely in treatment. I wasn't doing school at all. And then I did summer school at the end of freshman year and so I made up my credits and then sophomore year I attended a therapeutic boarding school. So I did school at that boarding school. And then junior year, I did one semester of in-person school at my local public high school. And then the last year, which was spring semester of junior year, and now fall and spring semester of senior year, has been online during the pandemic. So I would really say I have one of the most unique, craziest high school stories it's been quite a mod podge of different schools, classes, teachers, friends, all of that kind of stuff. And so I feel like I have a pretty unique perspective and can give advice that is applicable to many different school environments and many different academic situations. So I think I kind of got off on a tangent there, but uh, what I was saying was that I had freshman year where I was really struggling with my mental health. I had that time where I wasn't doing school. I had that time at boarding school and then junior and senior year, I really did feel like I was thriving. I did well academically. My mental health was doing well as well. I was able to build some great friendships and relationships despite being in a pandemic. So I have these kind of three mental perspectives in addition to all the logistical craziness. I want to start with some academic things that you can put in place to help your mental health. And then I'm going to go into more lifestyle things and relationships. So I want to talk about the concept of working smarter, not harder. My parents hate this philosophy. They hate that I embody it. They hate that I don't want to do 110% with every single thing that I'm doing, whether that's chores or homework or whatever it is. And I completely disagree. I think that if we put 110% into every single thing that we're doing in life, whether that's school, passion projects, extracurricular activities, relationships, all of those different things, We're not going to be passionate about every single one of those things, so we're going to get burnt out if we're constantly putting so much effort into things and not everything is re-energizing us and keeping us motivated. Also, when you think about just logistically, I don't know if any of you have seen that video with all the M&Ms on the ground where they kind of walk through how much free time you actually have in your life. So if you have 24 hours in a day and you're spending seven to nine sleeping and you're spending seven hours at school and you also have three or four hours of homework and you're also balancing a job on top of that, the amount of time that you really have to do things for you that keep you energized and happy and motivated is so limited. So if we can minimize the things that you're doing that are causing you to get burnt out and still allow you to succeed in those areas, that's where you can really, really optimize for amazing mental health, academic success, and also genuinely being happy. So let's look at this through a school lens. So if you're working smarter, not harder, that would mean that when you get your assignments list, say you have to read three chapters of a book, you have a set of math problems, you have a lab worksheet to prep for, and you have textbook notes to take for, say, site class. You're going to have to take those psych psych notes like there's no way to get notes on a textbook without reading it or at least writing the notes themselves. Maybe you understand the material enough to write them from memory, but you're going to have to invest that time writing the notes unless you're going to cheat. And we're not we're not advocating that here. You're going to have to spend the time doing the math problems, even if you're really good at math and it doesn't take that long. Some amount of time you're going to have to invest there. Research for your lab. If that's one of your strengths, maybe you don't need to do that research because you've taken a class before that covered titration or whatever it is. So you understand and can engage and participate in that class tomorrow without spending 45 minutes researching the lab. And the reading, if that's a strength of yours and you can actively participate in that discussion and you can do okay on the quiz from skimming or reading a summary, then that's where we can save time and work smarter, not harder. Because if you're spending five hours a day on homework and you've spent seven hours a day at school, maybe that works for you. Maybe you're still energized. Maybe you have the mental bandwidth for that. But I don't. I know that that like I end up getting overwhelmed and depressed the next day and anxious because I'm not getting everything done. So if I can think about what assignments I can do 100% on, which ones I don't need to do and still do well at school in, then I can optimize for things like spending time with friends because that really energizes me and improves my mental health and my relationships and helps me feel connected. I can optimize for 20 minutes of self-care and reading before bed because I know that helps my sleep and I'll feel more motivated and happy in the morning the next day. I can spend time with my family at dinner and truly be present and not be thinking about that assignment that I haven't finished yet. And so the point of this is not for you to slack off on a ton of assignments and use that as an excuse because you're prioritizing your mental health. The point is to create more balance in your life and understand that we're not superhumans and we cannot put 110% into everything. And that goes for school as well. So that's my work smarter, not harder. Figure out what your strengths are understand that there's not always time to do every single one of your assignments perfectly and that's okay i don't know if you've had the experience where you've completely crammed for a test or you've or you've spent so much time on notes and you get to class and your teacher spends literally two seconds going over it there's no grade for it she like doesn't even check the homework like dang it like you were stressed and close to tears the night before because you didn't understand it and it wasn't even worth anything And when you think about how you could have spent that time the night before, maybe you could have spent time with your dog or you could have spent time on that passion project that makes you so motivated and happy and energized and allows you to give more energy to school because you are energized and motivated. So what I'm trying to communicate is that none of us are perfect and none of us can do every single assignment perfectly. If you can lean into those strengths and you can put 110% into the things that you're passionate about and that you need to put in the work for to do well, do that. So yeah, that's my advice. So putting 110% into things that you're passionate about, that you need to put in the reps for to be good at, and the things you truly do need to study to do well in that class. And the things where it's review or your time could be more productive spent elsewhere and you can still do well in that class, optimize for that. So the next thing that I want to the next piece of advice I have for high schoolers is to have a good relationship with your counselor. If you're not aware of this, if you're a freshman or you're in eighth grader and you're just starting the whole high school process, your counselor is going to have to write you a recommendations for colleges come senior year. And in public school and in a lot of schools, these counselors are writing hundreds of recommendations. So at some point, they're going to become generic. And it's really, really difficult to build a super amazing, authentic relationship with your counselor two weeks before this recommendation is due. And even that is kind of transactional to be like, I just want this relationship so that I'll get a good recommendation and I'll get into college. And there are so many ways that having a good relationship with your counselor can benefit you. Not only do you get a great recommendation because you have an authentic relationship with this person, you've shown your strengths to them, but when you're struggling with your mental health or you're struggling with stress from school, you have that person to lean on. Even things like when your schedule's messed up and there's a class in your thing that you're not supposed to be taking, your counselor is the person who fixes that. So if you can have a good relationship with them, there are so many things logistically that are easier to approach. And one of these things is a 504. So if you have any kind of diagnosis, whether that's generalized anxiety disorder, depression, bulimia, anorexia, literally any diagnosis from a therapist, it can be from a psychiatrist, a psychologist, it has to be from a doctor, you can get something called a 504 in the state of California. And what a 504 is, is a set of accommodations that help you succeed in school. So some pretty common ones are being able to take bathroom breaks during class, being able to drink water or eat snacks in class, being able to have extra time on tests and homework, getting extensions. And these are kind of really common things at certain schools. But at public school, a lot of the time, it's not as common and these aren't just given away like free candy. You can't just get up and go to the bathroom. And so if you're struggling with something like anxiety, where being in the classroom when a panic attack is coming on really just isn't working for you, if you have a 504, you can get up and go to the bathroom, no questions asked. So once you have these accommodations, your teacher can not be like, no, sorry, you can't eat a snack in this class, even if you're struggling with eating throughout the day and not binging at night. So These 504 accommodations are set up to keep you successful with no questions asked by teachers because you have the signed note from your doctor. And so what happens is you ask for the form from your counselor, you get it signed by your doctor, they write down your diagnoses, and your teacher gets... A list of the accommodations that you get in their class and so for me the accommodations that i have i have extra time on tests i have extensions i have i think snacks and water in class and even for zoom school right now you can get accommodations like having your camera off or not having to be called on in class if that causes immense anxiety and so 504s are also a really thin line to walk because you want to have accommodations that help support you but it's also not great because these don't exist in college. The 504 accommodations don't always exist in the real world, especially without you having to continuously advocate for them. So if you're 504 is that you can go to the bathroom and you find that you're just getting anxious in class and you're bored and you're going seven times a day, it really does become a crutch as far as coping. So that is one thing that I kind of want to throw out there, that it's very important to make sure that these accommodations are helping you thrive and not hindering your ability to cope effectively independently. So relating to the 504, my piece of advice is to get one. If you have a diagnosis, get a 504. You might not feel like you need the accommodations now, and that's totally fine. You don't ever have to use them. But having that option, if you're really, really struggling and you have 17 assignments due the next day and you just really need an extension that's when this 504 comes in handy or if you're really really struggling with a concept on a test maybe it's anxiety maybe you just don't get it that extra time really is a helpful resource so if you have any kind of diagnosis my advice is get a 504 even if you don't intend to use it it's a nice thing to have so kind of going back to the work smarter not harder thing but from a different angle i feel like when i was started high school this idea of cramming and studying all night and always working was really romanticized the idea of having so much homework and being stressed out, like that was just part of the high school experience. And it's not, does not have to be. Yes, you'll probably have a couple of tests or assignments that you've procrastinated and you're working on late and you are overwhelmed and busy, and that's totally okay. And I promise your mental health will thank you if you have a shut off time every night. And that's different for every person. I'm not trying to be a bear and you are like, bedtimes at 7 p.m. No, 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 no. Maybe it's 11.30. You're like, okay, I'm done with homework. I know that I'm not going to do great work after 11.30 that assignment will still be there the next day. And I'm not saying that every single night you have to have a strict cutoff and that this is something I you have to do every point, but balance, if you're consistently getting enough sleep and you're consistently shutting off by like 10, 30, 11, whatever time it is, when you do have that test that you have to cram and study for, for a few extra hours, your sleep won't be as dramatically impacted. And we also know that your performance in school is so closely linked to how much sleep you're getting and how rested you are. If you're constantly pulling all-nighters and constantly studying and not sleeping enough, you're going to do worse in school. You're not just going to feel worse, but your performance will suffer as well. And I really wanted to approach this from the lens of that, what it feels like. When you have an assignment that's not done, you're going to miss the deadline. And there's that stress, there's anxiety, there's that fear. You're going to have to tell your teacher you didn't do it. And I know it doesn't feel that way in the moment, but the assignment will still be there tomorrow. You can go to sleep, you can wake up, and the assignment will still be there. Maybe you can get it done before school. Maybe you can really be honest to your teacher and be like, hey, I was really stressed out last night. I'm really struggling with my relationship with my mom right now. I have a bunch of other stuff from my other classes and I know I should have advocated for an extension before and I really didn't and that's totally on me. And I didn't get this assignment in time and I was wondering if it's possible to do it for partial credit or if I could make it up. And In my experience when you're open and you're authentic with teachers and you're honest about the fact that you should have done this differently and you didn't and you're asking for support they're willing to give that to you so in that regard if you go to sleep that night the assignment will be there the next day if you spend all night cramming that time to sleep and to improve your performance the next day that's not going to be there so i want to circle back to the idea where i was talking about passion projects that really motivate you and energize you and that you want to put 110 percent into I am such a big proponent of this freshman, sophomore year when you would have asked me what I'm going to write about on my college application. I don't know. I think I like ran cross country at the time. I wanted to be a pediatric surgeon. Like, guys, my vision of what I wanted to do was completely different. And that's totally fine if you don't know what you want to do. So many high school students don't know. And that's the point of college and careers in life is figuring out what you're passionate about and what you love so you can thrive in those areas and from a very basic standpoint my reason to advocate for a passion project is for your college application Being able to show that you have grit and motivation and an amazing work ethic, like that's exactly what colleges are working for. They're not looking for someone who can check all the boxes and be like, I got all these straight A's and I didn't do anything else except for this. And from the conversations that I've had about the college admissions process with my parents, with other adults, when we think about standardized test scores, we think about recommendations, we think about grades. The goal of that is for colleges to find a student that is academically talented, they show grit, and they show potential. And it doesn't really matter what that area of potential is in. Maybe it's you're extremely committed to your sport, and every single day you're showing up at 5 a.m., and you're working out, and you're building relationships with your teammates, and you're thriving in that area. Maybe you're really good at debate team. You're always showing up for practices. You go above and beyond. You, again, have these amazing relationships and this passion. Those skills that you've learned with that activity – can be used in any area of life and eventually can lead you to be really successful in college and in your career. So that's what colleges are looking for is those, that passion, that grit, and that potential. And you can just as easily show that through Passion Project. For me, the podcast showed my ability to advocate and work with other people within the podcasting community. It showcased my passion for mental health and my commitment to working on the problem that is mental health stigma in our society, even from an early point. And I was able to show them that I want to be a clinical psychologist. And these are the steps that I've taken so far to start these conversations and show this passion. So from a very basic standpoint and logistics wise, that is one reason to have a passion project. Additionally, the other reason for having a passion project, I'm going to explain this kind of through like introvert and extrovert personalities. If you're introverted, you get recharged by spending time by yourself. If you're extroverted, you feel recharged from spending time with other people. So whichever one of those you are, totally great. Imagine that feeling of being recharged passion projects can do that too. You get more energy, you get more motivation, more excitement, and you're able to put that energy into other things. So for me, when I spend an hour podcasting on Fridays, I wake up the next day more energized and more motivated and happy, and I have more to put into the other things in my life. And so that's another reason why I think having a passion project is so important because it's another area of your life to recharge and refuel and become remotivated and again support your mental health. And it's also a great distraction if you're really stressed out, if you're struggling with panic attacks, if you're having a tough relationship with your parents, leaning into this passion project, doing this thing that makes you really happy and it's a great distraction. That's another reason why I think having a passion project is so important. This week's episode is sponsored by Teen Counseling. I cannot tell you guys how many DMs, texts, emails I get from teens, parents, even friends asking how can I find a therapist, how can I enroll in therapy, how can I find a therapist for my teen, how do I tell my parents I want to go to therapy. That's why I'm partnering with Teen Counseling. Teen Counseling is an online therapy program with over 14,000 licensed therapists in their network. They offer support on things like depression, anxiety, relationships, trauma, and more, and it's all targeted at teens. They offer text, talk and video counseling. So no matter what level of support you're looking for, they got you. You're going to go to teencounseling.com she persisted. You'll fill out a quick survey about what your goals are for therapy, whether that's improving your mental health during the pandemic, working on your relationship with your parents, improving self-esteem, whatever it is, they'll match you with therapists that fit your needs. You'll enter your information and your parents' information. Your parents will get a super discreet email saying your child's interested in working with a licensed therapist at teencounseling.com. They head to the website, learn a little bit more about the program and a preview to work with a therapist. And from there, you can meet with that therapist on a frequency that works for you. This is a great way to dip your toe into the therapy world and get support when you need it without having to go into an office, meet with a therapist, meet with a stranger, and go through all of that for the first time. So you can go to teencounseling.com slash persisted. Again, that's teencounseling.com slash persisted to get started today. The next piece of advice that I have kind of goes back to the idea of a counselor, but it's having an adult that you trust, that you can lean on and talk to and feel supported by. And it doesn't matter whether this is a parent, that's great. If you don't have a great relationship with your parent, that's totally fine. Maybe it's a family friend, teacher at school, a counselor. When you're struggling, especially with mental health, it's not something that you want to put on your friends. And I've talked about this so many times on the podcast, but i went down that rabbit hole so far so deep i thought i was everyone's treatment coordinator and i took on all of their emotional burdens as my own and when you're a teenager your brain's not fully developed you're not able to handle these crisis situations you're not equipped to handle someone else's mental health as a whole that's why people get training for years to become psychologists and psychiatrists and that's why there's a whole team of clinicians that work with you in the hospital and in treatment and in outpatient therapy because it's not meant to be a burden put on one person whether that's the person struggling or their best friend and it also puts a lot of stress on the relationship whether you realize it or not when there's an imbalance in the relationship and one person is constantly struggling the other person starts to feel used and resentful because they're not getting as much out of the relationship and if you're both equally putting your burdens in this relationship you become really codependent because your ability to cope and de-stress and vent about what's going on is completely tied to that other person So, going to friends for support can be great for smaller things, but when it's your whole mental health and whatever crisis you're having at the moment, it can be really detrimental to both parties. So, this is where an adult comes in. Being able to have someone that can be that stepping stone to getting you professional support, whether that's a therapist or a counselor, maybe it's a doctor, whoever it is, having an adult that you can trust, they're the ones that are equipped to be like, okay, this is what we do next. And of course, there's a chance that you go to someone and they're like, I don't know what to do, or you get bad advice, you're led the wrong way. But if it's someone that you do look up to and you trust and you you agree with their values and their morals, oftentimes they'll lead you in the right direction and they're there to offer that support. So going back to this idea of your relationship with your parents, if that your parents are your person and your relationship with them is phenomenal and you can give and receive love and support, that's perfect. That's not the case for a lot of us. And that was my next piece of advice, which is to remember that your parents are never going to be the parents that you need and want and wish you had. Because they don't, they don't know what they're doing as much as we don't. They're doing the best they can. They're doing what they learned from their parents. And they're trying their damned best to be the best parent for you. And we're not perfect at advocating for our needs. We don't always recognize our needs. So they're not going to be the perfect parent. They're not going to always meet your needs. And that's okay. And it's really hard to accept. Because when we're young, we go from this headspace of mom and dad are superman and superwoman and they can solve all of our problems to when we grow up and we see these flaws and we realize that not only your parents maybe they can't solve every problem but a lot of parents won't do that for you because you grow up you move out of the house and you have to do things independently so they can't solve all your problems but even if they could at some point they stop doing that so you go from this idolizing headspace believing that your parents are the most amazing people on the planet to kind of seeing them as human because they are human. And that's when you kind of come to that crazy realization that your parents aren't perfect and that they're not the parents that you wish you had. And that doesn't mean that there's another parent where you like, oh, I wish I had that person as a parent because I don't know. I, I don't find that exists. But when your needs are unmet or when you don't feel validated or you don't feel supported, that sucks. And you wish it was different. And I personally have found that really practicing that radical acceptance, my parents aren't the parents I wish I had. And we can have a good relationship. We can build our relationship. We can improve this relationship. We can work on our communication. I can advocate for my needs more effectively. Those are all measurable steps you can take to improve that relationship and make it work for you. And being in the headspace of, I wish this was different. I wish this would change. Maybe it'll be completely different tomorrow. It really is painful to sit through and it's really hard. And we all know that that definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And I've found that I've gotten into that headspace a lot where I'm going back to the same relationship and I'm expecting something to be dramatically different. And that's crazy to expect that something will magically change overnight. So again, you go back to those measurable steps that you can take to improve that relationship. And you deeply practice that radical acceptance that your parents are never going to be the parents that you feel like you need or that you wish you had. And so that's where you come in. How can you get your own needs met? How can you practice that self-validation? How can you build a family around you, of friends and other adults and whoever it is that can get those needs met for you? So that's kind of where that idea of that another adult comes in. If you don't feel like your needs are being met, if you don't feel like you're getting that role model or that validation, whatever it is at home, You can build that elsewhere, even when you're still young and a teenager. Okay, I have three more tips, which I'm going to try and get through as quickly as possible. One of them is to get a job. And I know that not everyone can get a job. Some people's parents don't let them work. Maybe there's not jobs in your area. For COVID reasons right now, when I'm recording this episode, there's maybe not a lot of things that are open right now. Totally okay. The reason why I put this on your radar is because being able to have financial freedom and being able to go hang out with friends and get a burger when you want to or being able to get that sweatshirt that you've been admiring for a while gives you a great sense of sense of independence. I have found that my relationship with my parents can feel a lot more transactional and a lot more unhealthy on both parts when it's really based around, can I have this thing? I really need this. I need new shoes, whatever it is. It gets a lot more strained and it's a lot more difficult. The amount of freedom that you feel when you can go and buy that coffee for yourself or you can buy those shoes that you've been looking at for the past three months, it's amazing and you haven't always experienced that when you're a kid. And so for the purpose of your relationship with your parents and being able to just have more independence and freedom on your own, that is one thing that I highly suggest and recommend is being able to get a job and work. To again, decrease those things that are keeping you from the things you want to do, whether it's spending time with friends, switching up your style. I don't know what it is, but that is something that I have found that makes me feel a lot more independent and makes me feel a lot more motivated. And it really has been a game changer in high school. And my sister right now is looking for a job and she's constantly complaining of she doesn't have money for things and she can't buy this new thing. I'm like, you have to get a job. Like, I don't want to. And it can be scary. It can be overwhelming. And I totally get that. I totally understand. I remember when my parents told me to get a job. I think I was in eighth grade at the time that like, you need to go ask for an application. I was like, no, I'm not doing it. I was so embarrassed that I was working. I don't know why. But it was just a really overwhelming, scary experience. And I wanna recognize that. I wanna let you know that I totally understand that because I've been there and I promise you, financial freedom and independence starting when you're in high school is amazing. My next piece of advice is using vacation as vacation. And in my personal experience, there's been a lot of times where it's like spring break or it's winter break and you're still working on things. You're still in your same routine. It feels like just less classes, but you're basically still in school. And I totally get that because it's like school-appointed vacation, it's like school pointed days off, there's, the world keeps moving, there's still things to do, and you feel so much more refreshed, you feel more motivated, you feel more energized, you feel more happy. These are really the buzzwords of this episode because all of these things, we're trying to increase those feelings. So unplugging from email, homework, whatever it is that's causing that normal stress in your day-to-day life, switching up your, t- your routine, maybe it's sleeping in, maybe it's getting up earlier, whatever it is that you like, switching up your meals, switching up the way you're spending your days. If you can really just lean into that vacation time and make it feel different from your day-to-day redundant lifestyle that we all get into I promise you will feel so much better and rejuvenated and energized when you get back into that school headspace and lifestyle. And that's something really hard to do. I feel like adults are much better at it and I'm only starting to kind of understand because I, whenever I'm on vacation time, i just wanna like scroll on TikTok, which is terrible. But yeah, I, I have felt the difference of being on quote unquote vacation and still working on essays or college applications or being in the same redundant routine And then going back to school and you feel like the grind has never ended versus really taking that time to unplug and step back and focus on your own mental health so that you can put even more into all your activities when you get back to them when school starts again. So my last piece of advice is more of a social thing, which is surround yourself with who you want to be. And this was something that I'd heard for years and I never truly understood until I got a fresh start my junior year. And I had had a hell of a high school experience already. I had been in one school freshman year, completely mentally struggling. I went to intensive treatment and pretty much dropped out of high school for that semester. I did summer school, I did a boarding school, and then I went back. And when I looked at the relationships I had my freshman year, which was a lot of like-minded individuals and in that we were all mentally struggling, we were all truly suffering, and our relationships and connections were based off of those shared emotions. And then I looked at my relationships junior year, where for those first six months, no one even knew I had a podcast about mental health. No one knew I went to treatment. No one knew that I'd struggled with depression. That was something that was part of my identity, but it didn't need to be the most forefront thing that I was advertising. And so I was able to build these relationships based on these parts of my life that fueled that energy and motivation and happiness, which was authentic connections over things in our our classes and spending whatever we were doing outside of school and clubs and extracurriculars and whatever was going crazy in like my social life outside of school and so I built these relationships with these individuals that weren't mentally struggling and I connected over things that I wanted to see more of in my life which was less of being in this treatment world at being overwhelmed by constant crises and struggling and chaos and having this more simplistic typical high school lifestyle, which was having great relationships with friends and authentic connections that weren't based on my mental health going up in flames. And so if you can surround yourself by people that are in the headspace that you want to be, you be, you become who you surround yourself with. And that applies to your mental health as well, I think. And I think that everyone has moments of struggles. And I think... Oh, that sounded so cheesy. I think that everyone has bits of darkness and struggle in their life. And so if you're bringing attention to that, you come into this friend group and you're talking about how you're struggling with X, Y, and Z and things are going crazy at home, people will reciprocate that energy and they will have a conversation with you and bring up their experiences. And so I want to kind of shed light on the fact that it's not just who you surround yourself with, but the energy you bring to those interactions. So even if you surround yourself with people that are mentally healthy and well and thriving, there's the potential for you or someone else to bring that negative energy and turn that into unhealthy relationships. And you can also bring that healthy energy and you can bring those authentic healthy connections to relationships that were formerly based on negative connections and negative behaviors. So... That's my last piece of advice. Let me see if I can do a little wrap-up of everything I talked about. First was work smarter, not harder. Get a 504. Sleep because the assignment will always be there tomorrow. Have a good relationship with your counselor. Have a passion project. Have an adult that you can talk to, that you admire, look up to, and your values are in line with. Understand that your parents aren't going to be the parents that you wish you had. Use vacation as truly vacation time. Get a job, have that financial independence even when you're a teenager and surround yourself with who you want to be. So I hope that was helpful. I'm going to have to edit this episode so much because I repeated everything I said like four times because I just got off on random tangents. But I hope you enjoyed. I hope you loved this episode as much as I loved recording it. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave a review, please. I've been asking ever to leave reviews, but it really does help. Share this episode with a friend that you think would enjoy it. Tag me if you're listening to it on social media. I would love to see it. I'll repost it. I'll give you a shout out. Yeah. What else is there to say? I hope you're having a wonderful week. Be sure to follow at Sheep Resisted Podcast on Instagram. I'm really popping off there with the Instagram reels and the TikToks and the posts. So yeah, thanks for listening and I'll see you next Friday.